Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 611th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you the American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com. And let's also not forget, locally on Red Bull News Network, but as always, this show is dedicated to the American game, and boy, it's a great time to be alive as an American soccer fan. Now, as we get ready to wrap up these MLS Cup playoffs, you know, once again, um, I am not a fan of this best of three series in the opening round. I really think they should have gone back to the goal aggregate situation, or as I've written already on Beyond the 90, uh, just scrap the playoffs and just have uh, play every single, almost every single club twice within your own conference, one each against 14 of the 15 teams in the other conference, and one team will not be uh, on the schedule, and that will be a rotation uh, as we uh, go through all the years moving forward. Uh, but that's as far as we can go. But now it's time to be ready for this important situation. And that is, of course, the CONCACAF Nations League, where the U.S. men's national team will be facing against Trinidad and Tobago in a goal aggregate playoff in the quarterfinals in League A to attempt to qualify for the 2024 Copa America, even though it will be in the United States, they will still have to qualify for their spot to get there. Now, let me just say this. I think it's all right, and I think it's quite okay for them to do this, and I'll tell you why. Because it would be easier to just automatically hand U.S. soccer that automatic spot as the host. But CONCACAF, what they're doing, very simply put, is trying to make their confederation more competitive. That's right, more competitive. Now, you know as well as I know that, you know, this is – going to be an easy victory. You want, you want to say so? Be an easy victory for the United States. We're better than Trinidad. Uh, we have more of a positive feeling to play against them. Um, obviously, we're stronger. We proved that in the Gold Cup group stage match uh, last summer. But, you know, there's always something in the back of my mind. And the back of my mind is the failure of qualification to the 2018 FIFA World Cup that was held in Russia. That, my friends, is in the back of my mind. And this is where, to be 
honest with all of you. This is where we have to be strong and we have to be more vigilant in understanding that we cannot take these games for granted. And all I can say is, is this. Even though we will not be going into World Cup qualifying this cycle as the United States will co-host or tri-host with both Canada and Mexico as the uh, North Zone block, still though, the Copa America is a major competition, obviously based in South America. And for how long have we been talking about getting rid of the Gold Cup and just joining forces with South American Confederation Economy Bowl. Here's the problem with it. And don't get me wrong. I think it would be awesome to battle. To go and battle against some of the best national teams within the Americas. And all I can say is, is this. I don't think we would ever qualify for the World Cup. Maybe barely, but I don't think we would qualify for the World Cup at all. I understand CONCACAF is not strong. You would say right now us, Mexico, are the best two teams in the confederation. Panama is so far looking good. Costa Rica has always been difficult. Jamaica now is on a resurgence. I would say Curaçao is maybe on a slight dip down. But once again, it just has to be said, and we're just being truthful about this, there are too many minnows and too many mid-table or mid-range national teams in our confederation to say it is a true challenge. Because the truth is, it's not. But once again, once again, we have to show respect to those teams who have felt disrespected for such a long period of time. Because if we do not show the respect, it, we're going to re- be doomed to repeat the same thing that has happened over and over and over again. And I don't want that to happen. We have to go out there or at least our men's national team has to go out there and prove once again why they are the best of the best in this confederation. Normally, it would have been a guessing game. Now, it's not. Now, it's improving. And I think, if we're honest with ourselves here, I think this is where we want to be. We need to see improvement up and down the confederation. And at this point in time, Victor Montagliani has done that outside of what Jack Warner and Jeffrey Webb did when they were running this confederation. Bribery, deceit, uh, money laundering, and of course, once again, the bribing of, vo- of, uh, bribing of votes of the FIFA World Cup. There's no denying that. Jeffrey Webb and Jack Warner has done and this confederation. I think we're finally seeing some positive 
moments to say that this confederation is finally getting up there, that they're finally earning some form of respect from within. Now, granted, we still have some national teams or some islands that are not FIFA members because of their, as, we call, as they call it, uh, under Dutch law or French law nations. Even though they're governed by native countries like France and the Dutch and the Netherlands, but as you can see, the U.S. Virgin Islands runs themselves even though they're a territory. The British Virgin Islands are also a territory. Aruba is a territory. But it's those nations under the law wholeheartedly that are not a territory, that are not just a territory, but their elections mean more towards their main government. And they are considered not a FIFA member. So you won't see some of these nations like French Guyana and Saint Martin or Saint Martin go out and uh, attempt for World Cup qualifying because the Nations League is their major tournament and the Gold Cup is their World Cup. But once again, folks, this is the situation that has been put down. This is the situation moving on that the Miss Men's National Team cannot fail not to qualify for the for the Copa America. It cannot happen. It should not happen. But crazier things have been uh, known to uh, go on. Not saying what's right or what's wrong. But without a doubt, this would be a dramatic failure if they are hosting the Copa America and they don't get into the tournament itself through this qualification round. That is just the truth of the situation. Without a doubt, it would be a huge failure. But once again, what does Greg Berhalter need to do? He needs to make sure that he puts this team and get them to qualify for the Copa America. They're going to have to basically blitz them in the opening match at the Q2 Stadium in Austin, Texas, and then head on down to Hazley Crawford Stadium and just finish the deed down there in the Caribbean in Trinidad and Tobago at Port of Spain. That's all they got to do, folks. That's all they got to do. Just concentrate. And believe me, I don't believe that this group of players are going to take this game lightly. I believe they're going to go out there and they are going to do some damage. This is not, I repeat, this is not the team that failed to qualify for Russia. That's for fact. But the only thing that can stop them is themselves. And that means everyone is accountable, including the head coach and Greg Berhalter. 
So we'll see what happens moving forward in this tournament. And I understand how you feel about the Nations League. It's probably it's you know it's it, it's a waste. But look, the idea as a whole of this confederation is to improve it and make it better. We are not going to secede to Europe. We will not secede to Conmebol, even though some of you have said so. If the Americas were to join as one and be an entire confederation as one, we're going to have to wait and see how they're going to act on that. Because the truth is this. That would be a bigger situation than what we are normally used to. And once again, that will be the bigger question. That will be the bigger question out of this whole situation. Because, once again, it's all about what is in it for this nation and how will they compete in a bigger confederation. That's all it is. Until then, I don't know what to tell you. I will say this. I really think that this entire situation is going to be huge if they ever do come together with South America. But I think it would be a really, really tough thing for them to handle. I really would. Because as you've seen, whether it be the Libertadores, the Copa Sudamericana, even World Cup qualifying, and the Copa America itself, this is a knock-em-out, drag-em-out confederation. It's only those top nations that continue to beat each up to continue to beat each other up for every single year for supremacy, whether it be by club or country. And that, my friends is a tough way to go. So we'll see what happens moving forward, and we'll see what happens when we get to that point in time. Well, time for the show. And my first guest tonight, just waiting for him to call in, is Mr. Michael Hitchcock, as he will talk about his brand new shop called the Pro Rel Soccer Shop. And of course, this gentleman will also talk about his influence bringing over new teams to join the National Premier Soccer League. And so we're just waiting for him to jump on and uh, talk to us as we get ready to talk about this wonderful thing that he has done so far. And here he is right now, ladies and gentlemen, the gentleman that is owning, of course, the Pro Rail Soccer Shop and, of course, his other business venture, uh, I believe it's called Playbook Management Incorporated, Michael Hitchcock. Michael, welcome back to the show, and how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. appreciate you having me on. 
I appreciate you coming on as well. So let's go ahead and talk about this brand new venture you're on, uh, your brand new uh, merchandise store called the uh, Pro Rel Soccer Shop over in McKinney, Texas. When did you decide to do this uh, store, and what brought along it? Yeah, so it's it, it's a concept that I've always just had in the back of my head, saying, man, wouldn't it be cool to create a shop where soccer fans can come together, you know, drink beer, watch soccer talk the beautiful game, um, just in a really cool, fun environment. And, and by the way, you know, support local soccer by buying gear from really cool clubs all over the country. And, you know, it would be pretty pretty sweet if we could, you know, kick some of that money back to, to those clubs to help all the great things they're doing in their community. And so that was always just there, right? And uh, recently my wife and I had a lifestyle change. We decided to move to this really cool area called Historic McKinney. It's, uh, you know, downsized our house, simplified our life, and, as part of that, uh, ended up getting a really cool office space right in this uh, shop and entertainment district. And so it started as we just wanted to have a office space that we could walk to sort of in this live, work, play stage of life. And we travel a lot, especially when I'm out visiting the teams and, and, and doing our sports management business. So it would be nice when we're home to be able to just walk to where we like to hang out and with friends and, and be able to work out of a cool office space. So we got this really cool office space. It used to be a, a coffee shop. And so where the idea, sort of the light bulb just went off that, hey, we're going to do this thing, was during Oktoberfest, where Historic McKinney has a massive Oktoberfest. They shut down all the streets, and like 70,000 people come. And I was just I was working on a Saturday during Oktoberfest weekend, uh, and, and just all these soccer fans were walking by wearing soccer gear, drinking, you know, their, their big, you know, big, big glass. And, you know, it's an open container district, so you can walk around and shop and drink. Just a really, really cool vibe, great area. And I just turned to my wife and I said, let's open that lifestyle soccer shop. Let's do it. And so the last, you know, call it six weeks or whatever it's been, it's just been uh, just craziness just getting this thing ready. And we officially opened on, on Thursday. So we're, we're two days away, and I'm actually in the shop right now doing this interview, still just trying to get the finishing touches uh, put together. Absolutely fantastic and very happy for you and your wife to get this done. Now, for those of us that are not familiar with what's going to be in there, what, is it mostly from the United States, these uh, clubs with their uh, the lower divisions, or are you also going to bring in clubs from other lower divisions across the world? Yeah, no, we'll have clubs from all over the world. And so what's going to be fun, I think, with this concept, and we're already seeing it, is every sort of tease post on social media, we're getting another club that's reaching out to us and, hey, we'd love to be a part of this, and where do we send the, the gear? and you know, we're, we're, we're basically, you know, in the U.S. and internationally uh, bringing in gear. And, you know, so a lot of cases it's just going to be limited inventory. And when it's sold out, it's sold out, whether it's that, you know, collector's scarf for the supporters or the jerseys or the T-shirts or, or the hats or the other gear. And then, you know, for, for our clubs that we invest in, obviously, we'll be able to have even more gear just because we have that direct uh, pipe, pipeline to, to clubs here in the U.S. and internationally. I've got uh, ownership in a club in, in England and in the National League North called Offerton Town who, by the way, is in the FA Cup and will be in the uh, second round proper uh, here in a couple weeks, which is pretty cool, Uh, an investment in the club in Trinidad and Tobago and also uh, investing in the club in Puerto Rico. And so, you know, our clubs, it'll be easier because we can, you know, obviously keep the the, the racks full at all times. Uh, For clubs that aren't ours, uh, we're just going to keep those lines of communication open and encourage as many that want to participate as possible to be a part of it. And what was really fun is there was a little bit of a, a litmus test this past weekend we were in the shop getting our inventory ready, getting, you know, all the barcodes on the uh, the, the gear. So, you know, I mean, we're, we're setting it up where, you know, we'll scan the merchandise so we can keep the inventory and track it because we are giving 80% of the sales back to the, the individual clubs. Uh, so we've got that tracking mechanism in place. Anyways, we're here on Saturday. 
beautiful day in McKinney, Texas. They were doing a wine walk and tons of people walking by. And so we said, let's just open the door. We're not really open, and it looks a little bit like a construction site still, but we'll, we'll apologize to people as they walk in. Well, we ended up selling over $1,100 worth of stuff last Saturday. And just even more important than I think those, those numbers and, and, you know, sold over $200 worth of gear for our NPSL team in Charlotte called Charlottetown Hops and over $200 worth of gear for Annapolis Blues and over $200 worth of gear for the Appalachian FC, our team in Boone, North Carolina. But what was even cooler than that is we had the Premier League games on the TVs. People were just coming in, sitting on the couch, hanging out, talking shop, meeting each other. It just created a real cool sense of community, and that, that's really ultimately what, what this thing is all about. I mean, this, this is not our primary business. This is just a fun little side hustle, you know, that, that we're doing in our office space. And at the end of the day, you know, I think we're going to be able to generate some revenue for, for clubs. We sort of proved that last Saturday, and even though it's a little microcosm of a litmus test, uh, I think there's a really interesting concept here. But people love to hear the stories about these clubs, what they're doing, love the brand, and love the fact that if they buy it here in McKinney, Texas, Money's going back to those clubs to help doing all the great work they're doing in their communities. Now, for those of us that are not from Texas, where is McKinney located and which, which, which Texas city are they close to? Yeah, so McKinney is about 32 miles north of downtown Dallas. You know, I mean, Dallas-Fort Worth is just a massive metroplex. It's all contiguous, but it's uh, 32 miles, you know, northeast uh, of, of downtown on your way to Oklahoma. Uh, for people who are, you know, major league soccer fans, it's the city that's uh, just due east to Frisco, Texas, which is where uh, FC Dallas is located. And it's just a, you know, it's a vibrant community. Once again, the area we're in, which is this cool little historic district, um, hundreds of independent shops, restaurants, five wineries, a brewery, you know, six coffee shops within just a two-block radius. And, and all these shops are just locally, individually owned. And a lot of people are like us. The owners are in there working them and just love what they do. And you know, love to just create this fun little sense of community. So it's a, it's a really fun, unique project. And look, I don't know, you know, if this thing, you know, is, is, is going to, you know, make any money or, or not, but we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, and we're going to do a lot of good promotion for lower division clubs that are doing great things in their community all over the, all over the country. Now, Michael, let's also talk about this other thing going on with your, of course, your uh, playbook uh, management corporation uh, business. Why is it every time I talk to a brand new owner of a new National Premier Soccer League club, your name keeps popping up on my show? What is it that you do that gets these people excited, not just to be a part of owning a, a, an American soccer club, but to get them into the NPSL? What, have, what do you do here? What, 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 what's your voodoo here, mister? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. So, you know, I, I'm obviously extremely passionate about the game of soccer. I've dedicated my entire career, uh, uh, less of one year, uh, when I got out of college to, to grow in the game of soccer. I started in MLS in those early, humble, beginning building years where it was all about grassroots and community building. And uh, second half of my sports management career, I've, I've owned my own company, TMI, and, uh, and we, we've, you know, created a, a soccer investment company called ProRail Soccer Ventures that invests in you know, lower division soccer clubs, once again, in the U.S. and internationally. And uh, for, for me, uh, I just, I love the impact that these clubs have on their communities. And so, you know, I, I help the league out with their strategic expansion by talking to owners who are interested in having an owner-to-owner -owner conversation and just learning really what it's all about. And I share with them, look, the great, the good, the bad, the ugly of it all. And the reality is, if you love what you do, which, uh, which I and, and our staff certainly do, uh, you, you might work 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week, but you feel like you're not working an hour a day. And so, 
you know, I think that passion and that commitment and, and now the corresponding success that's coming with it is getting, you know, getting, getting people excited about investing in soccer. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of blue sky right now in front of us when it comes to soccer and, and the growth and, and evolution of the game in this country, uh, in part because of all the hard work by so many people over so many years at all different levels. But we got three years of, of pretty incredible soccer coming to America, you know, between you know, the, you know, Copa America, uh, obviously the, the Nations League is going to be a big deal with this, this next round coming around, uh, you know, the World Club Cup, and then obviously the, the granddaddy of them all, the World Cup, which, you know, will be the biggest sporting event in the history of the world, and that's going to be, as we all know, in, in North America. And so, you know, it's just a, it's a great time to invest in the game. Uh, the business has, of the game has grown where you have investors who look at it, and, you know, it's not just, you know, throwing money out the window because you love soccer and love your community. Uh, there's a chance to, you know, actually run a, a good business with something like this. And so I think you're you're getting more and more uh, prospective owners who are interested and, you know, they want to talk to people who have done it many times, and, and I'm, I'm just one of those people. So uh, so it's a great time to, to, to be involved. I love the NPSL and, and that level of soccer. Uh, the NPSL gives you the chance to, to create a sustainable business, which is really important. I mean, as much as we love the game, I always tell people when they call and ask about it, I said, remember, it's the small business of soccer, right? I mean, you've got to have a good business model. You've got to run a good business operation. And for, for us, that all starts with, you know, giving to the community and connecting with the community. And hopefully the community responds and, and supports the club. And, and fortunately, we're, we're seeing that, that that's happening all over the country. I mean, I have to go with one of the owners that you've worked with, obviously, uh, Damon Gochner of the Denton Diablos. I love Damon. Uh, not to say any of the other people that you've brought in to get them their clubs in the MPSL are terrible or anything like that. No, all of them are fantastic. But when I talk to Damon off the air, you know, off the record, you know, I love his passion for the team. I love his passion for the game. It's just everything that oozes out of him. And I'd like to think that you found a way to enhance that and to really get him to focus very strongly on how to work the Diablos for his market in Denton, Texas. Do you feel that as well? I mean, David, David's an amazing dude. Uh, I love him like a brother, and, and he is uh, probably one of the most passionate people you'll, you'll meet anywhere in the world. Lo- loves this game, and your know, former player uh, now has kids playing the game, and so he's going through that, that fun experience of being a, a soccer dad and seeing your kids love the game as much, maybe even more than, than you did. And he's got a, you know, obviously, which I'm proud to be a partner with him, he, but he, he's the leader of it. He's got a successful club in Denton. And so, you know, the nice thing is, you know, D- Damon is the absolutely perfect owner for a team in, in Denton, Texas. You know, he's got uh, other business interests in, in the marketplace, uh, born and raised in that area, lives in that area, and, you know, ha- has the look and has the passion and the energy. And, and people just, uh, they are they love that. And so, uh so, yeah, Damon's doing an amazing job and has built a really cool brand and obviously had tremendous success on the field. And, you know, Diablos won the national championship just uh, a couple rounds ago. So, uh, yeah, he, he's doing uh, really cool stuff. And, you know, like the Denton Diablos have, have a team shop, you know, that, that's there in the heart of Denton. And so, you know, this, uh, this concept of opening something like this is not, you know, I mean, th- this is a little bit unique in how we're doing it and, you know, sort of the mission and bringing multiple clubs together and, and promoting those clubs and helping sell those clubs. Uh, but, you know, you got, you know, our team in Boone, North Carolina, Appalachian FC has a very successful uh, uh, shop. And I think we're going to see more and more teams investing in, in having a place where their fans can come and, and buy the gear and hang out and talk shop and have a cocktail. And uh, just, I mean, it's, it's what the beautiful game is all about. It's, it's community building. 
Absolutely. And I mean, do you give, just out of curiosity, um, do you give seminars uh, to people who maybe want to give you a phone call, contact your company to say, I'm interested in maybe owning my own club in the American soccer leagues, uh, whether it be a, you know, the professional ranks or in the uh, amateur ranks, depending on where they want to be, the semi-professional ranks. You know, would you do something like that, or have you done something like that to at least give them a tutorial of what to do or what not to do? So, I, I mean, it's funny you ask that. Uh, it, it, I'd say probably, you know, even, you know, right before the pandemic and then coming out of it, you know, I'd have one or two, you know, outreaches a, a week from people saying, hey, I was given your name, and someone who invests in, in, you know, in soccer would love to talk to you about, you know, what the landscape looks like and where, where you know, where and how do I invest and just, you know, help me out. And, uh, and, and I would do it. I just love to talk shop. You know, I, once again, I feel like I've been put on planet Earth to grow the game of soccer, and that's what I've dedicated most of my life to doing now. Uh, now, uh, in, in, you know, 2023, I mean, it's literally three to five conversations a day, three to five. And, you know, try to keep them to 30 minutes because I do have other business I have to do. But early in the morning, late at night, you know, in the car on the way to a meeting, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to more prospective interested investors and prospective owners in, in lower division soccer, whether that's, you know, second division or down into the sort of pro-AM space of USL2, NPSL, UPSL. And, and, and just do it because I, I, I love it. And, you know, we have a company that, you know, some of these groups say, hey, when they end up investing, we, we you know, enjoy talking with you. We'd love to hire your company to come help us. Uh, but that's not why I do it. I, I do it because I, I love the game and want to, you know, do anything I can to help grow it. And, and, you know, for me, how we truly become a soccer nation, it's, uh, yes, Major League Soccer needs to continue to be successful and, you know, keep driving it. We need the messies of the world. You know, that, that needs to happen. Uh, we need U.S. national team success on the men's side to, you know, start to mirror the success that the women have had, uh, and, and I do believe that's coming. That's going to happen, and 2026 is going to be a perfect opportunity to do that. But how we truly become a soccer nation is like everywhere else in the world is, you know, the Lubbock, Texases, the Boone, North Carolinas, you name it, any town USA needs to have a pro-am team. So it doesn't, I mean, whether it's a second division, third division, or, you know, the unofficial fourth tier, or, or even just in a local regional league, we need professionally run and operated teams that are providing opportunities to players, inspiring sports management executives and coaches. When we get that built out, and it's happening, right? We're seeing it. It's growing by the day. Uh, when we're like the rest of the world, watch out. You know, we're, we, that's how we truly become a soccer nation and, and a world power, in my opinion. So I believe the, the lower divisions is, is the future of this thing. I really do believe that. No, I agree with you completely, 100%. Listen, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. You have an open invite to come back on the show, and I hope to uh, meet you sometime soon down the road, and hopefully uh, uh, we'll get some more people to believe in uh, what you think and uh, get, bring more soccer teams to the professional rankings of uh, American soccer in the lower leagues. Thank you again for joining me tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Michael Hitchcock joining us tonight to talk about uh, his business in the ProRail Soccer Shop and, of course, uh, his business in PMI, Playbook Management Incorporated, for these clubs to, uh, of course, be a part of the American soccer landscape. My next guest right now is a sports radio show host over in the New England area around Rhode Island. He's at 790 The Score, and this is Mr. Tommy Quinlan joining me about the Rhode Island FC. Tommy, welcome to the show, and how are you, sir? Daniel, thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining me. Obviously, before we get to our subject, 
tough loss in the playoffs for the New England Revolution after such crazy end of the season with the whole Bruce Arena situation um, when, of course, Clint P.A. taking over, the whole Richie Williams being involved. I mean, just give us a brief summary, if you can, about that that craziness that, that happened in the New England area for us. It was a tale of two seasons. Um, the New England Revolution going into League's Cup sat in second place in the league. Um, Bruce gets put on administrative leave during League's Cup. A lot of unanswered questions for six weeks. Rich Williams takes over as interim head coach. Comes out that, according to the athletic reporting, that Richie Williams may have turned Bruce in uh, to the league. And uh, what followed was a broken locker room that just couldn't get it back together. Um, as Omar Gonzalez said the other night, uh, after the loss to Philadelphia last week, with just too many voices. And it just didn't seem like there was a clear direction. It was a complete deviation from the Bruce Arena system. So now we just wait to see what comes next. Absolutely, and uh, we'll see. There's a plethora of head coaches available, and uh, we'll see where the revolution turn turn to. Either they stick with Clint P.A. and give him a shot, or they'll go somewhere else. So we'll see what happens there. But, oh, of course, you're based out. Clint won't be the head coach. There you go. Clint, so there, there yeah, we have Clint, it. Clint, Clint, that, that's definitely not happening. I mean, Clint, though, though I, if I had to guess right now, the, the leader in the clubhouse is uh, Gio Savarese. All right. So we'll if see what happens. That would be my leader uh, in the clubhouse. Okay. No problem at all. And thank you for that. And we'll see what happens down the road in the off season. Uh, now, once again, uh, 790 the score based out in Rhode Island, uh, I believe near Providence. And of course, a big moment for Rhode Island FC as they're going to start next year in the USL championship league. I thought that their, uh, their uh, stadium hopes and dreams were about to be dead. And then all of a sudden, this influence of cash comes out of nowhere, and the construction is back on. What the heck happened? And I'm so happy to hear this. Uh, Tommy, are you there? I don't know if we lost Tommy or not. Uh, Can can, can you hear me? Sorry about that. Can you hear me? I got you now. I got you now. Yep. There you go. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, no, That's I love okay. anonymous millionaires. The, uh, <laughs> whoever, this, whoever this guy is down in New York City uh, really, really must love uh, soccer to, 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 to invest into this. Yeah, you know, there were some hiccups along the way. I think there was some city funding that I think, you know, with inflation being the way it is and the way the world is financially, it made it a little bit harder to build a stadium. Um, it's Rhode Island, so um, naturally politics will always find its way into everything. And uh, I, they're just overcoming it right now. There's just a lot of people that are backing this thing, that are making this sure, uh, making sure this thing is, is going to be pushed over the finish line. Uh, the governor is personally, Governor Dan McKay, is personally invested into this thing. It was a big election issue back in 2020. Uh, Two now, yeah, geez, 2022 now, and um, you know the voters 
didn't seem to mind that the state was investing uh, some money into uh, Tidewater Landing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of private money that's coming into play here, and uh, this anonymous millionaire that, thank you again if you just happen to be listening right now, uh, put into investing this, this you know, park, and, you know, they're, they're on their way. You know, there's a, a grand vision for how this thing is going to move forward. Um, you know, right now they're going to play the first season at Bryant Stadium in uh, Smithfield, Rhode Island, which is probably about 15, 20 minutes away from Tidewater Landing. But, you know, when it's going to be built, it's going to be fantastic. I think it's going to blow people away, and I think it's going to exceed expectations very quickly around here. Uh, the management that runs Rhode Island FC is really strong. Um, from the top where Brett Johnson is part of an ownership group already uh, that leads Ipswich Town FC, which they're sitting second uh, last time I checked in the championship. Um, and he, he, he wants to win here. He's not one of these fly-by-night owners. He's fully invested into Rhode Island. You see the energy in his face. You see the commitment in his, you know, presentation. You hear it in his voice how much he loves this thing. So I expect it to be, you know, really a success because of how it's led. And then you have uh, player influence from Major League Soccer, which helps, between Michael Parkhurst, who is also a uh, native of the area, southern New England, you know, grew up not too far away from where the stadium's going to be. Uh, Kano Smith, who obviously played uh, for the Revolution for years. Uh, so there's there's a combination of um, a lot of good things happening to really get the thing off on the right foot because I, I think people will be able to identify with the club very quickly. Now, let me ask you this. As you said, uh, the stadium was built at Tidewater Landing. Now, for those of us like myself that are not from Rhode Island, um, what is the area like over there? And how – I mean, I've seen the pictures of it, obviously, of what they want to build, but what's that area like for native Rhode Islanders? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a run-down New England town. You know, it's, you, it's, it's seen its better days. It's, it's, it's definitely seen – you know, it, it, it's a throwback to the past of uh, when the factories were still open here. And, you know, I mean, Hasbro's based out of, you know, Hasbro's children's toys. Um, Hasbro's based out of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. So all your toys growing up as a kid, or most of them, uh, probably came out of a place called Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, I think, you know, the presentation on Family Guy doesn't actually give you the full scope of what Pawtucket is. It needs, a, it needs economic revitalization, like a lot of places in America right now. And that's what some of the times when you get the right ownership group and you get the right people in here, that's what these soccer stadiums and that's what these soccer teams do. I think it's going to build up the area. It's, you know, looking for an identity. It's looking for a replacement after losing uh, the Pawtucket Paw Sox, which were a mainstay in the state forever. And then when the team lost it, uh, the team left for Worcester, it left a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. But uh, this is something to help kind of move on and turn the page into, you know, okay, what Pawtucket needs next. And, you know, soccer stadiums moving in the right direction because the demographics fit it. Um, you know, the Pawtucket, Central Falls, Providence area, North Providence area, you, you know, really reach out to a large demographic of Hispanic um, families. And Portuguese families and, you know, families that grew up in Cape Verde and that, you know, all have a, you know, football background. And they're, they're going to want to be part of this um, for a plethora of reasons, you know, from an academy side, from just an engagement side. You know, if it's presented in the right way, you know, you have a lot of 
demographics that are really going to be able to latch onto this thing very quickly. So, um, you know, it's an area that's looking for something like this, and it has the market to, to fill it. No, that's great to hear. Now, you said Hasbro is in Rhode Island, so you're telling me all my Transformers and G.I. Joes are based in, Pro- in Rhode Island? Kentucky, Rhode Island. Oh, my God. Wow. I never knew yeah. that, but that's pretty cool. That's awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, there's a I, bunch of I love those heads I that just, Yeah, there's a bunch of Mr. Potato <laughs> Heads that are just laying around all of Rhode Island. Uh, so yeah, it's just like our state symbol. Like, you know, New York has the Statue of Liberty, which is what I grew up with. Rhode Island has the potato head. Yep. I, I, oh no, I'm from New York myself. Uh, where in New York are you originally from? Uh, Staten Island. Okay. I'm from the Bronx. So you're a little, I'm more North from you, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but still though, that's great to hear. And, uh, you know, just to see what this kind of team is going to do. What do you make of the so far their roster building at this moment? I understand they got some pretty good players right now that they've signed to. Who do you like so far from this uh, crop of players they brought over? I would be lying to you if I told you I knew anything about these guys. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that I think it's it's great that you know they're staying within USL, right? Um, you know, they're, they're finding talent that's identif- you know, that understands the league, that understands the different teams and the players and the landscape. So you're not just, like, forcing somebody in here. You're not just bringing somebody in here that, you know, doesn't have an identity with, with what's going on. So, you know, I can't tell you really about the identity of players. I think it can really be helpful that you have guys that they're bringing in here that know the league. Um, you know, Coke uh, Vegas, for example, you know, he – Playing out in San Diego, McGlynn out, you know, just coming in from, um, from, um, you know, Hartford. They just announced a couple of uh, other players within the last week. I know one guy coming in from uh, Red Bulls too. So I think, you know, there's a lot of guys that understand what it's like playing, you know, at this level of, of soccer. And you know, and and then, you know, too, I think you're going to see, you know, and this is in my conversations with Brett, is, you know, hey, you know, they're going to try, you know, and there's nothing guarantee but they're going to try to figure out a way to incorporate you you know how can we bring it switch town over here you know there's no nothing set in stone but you know they there's also that avenue where you know they're not just limited to you know okay we got to do this on our own you know you have a whole other club over there in england that could be really you know helpful in kind of building out a roster possibly so it's it's going to be it's going to be i think it's going to be a really good mix you know the other thing too you know brett louis who's the team president um USL guy, you know, understands the league real well, comes from the league. You know, he, he understands the types of players that I think need to be in here. Brett Johnson's been around the block for a really long time. You look at what they did down there in Phoenix. I mean, it was a real success. You know, the fact that they were able to get so much national attention at the time, and I think a lot of – and he was there for a lot of that. So, you know, I think you have the right USL minds in here to really build up a really good team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um of course, you got yourself a mascot right now. His name is Chip. I believe, I believe it's a seal-looking uh, animal that will be the mascot for the uh, club. How 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 you like that one? Yeah. So the guy that I work with is not a soccer fan. So um, you know, he just looks at it from the outside, and he calls him Chip the Chernobyl Seal. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, See, it looks like it, this seal was, was dropped in a nuclear uh, explosion. 
uh, <laughs> that's, that's how some people in the area are identifying it. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's fine. I think the stadium is the biggest thing at the end of the day. The stadium is the mascot. The stadium is the be-all, end-all. It is, it is the Mickey Mouse of this entire project. You know, this thing doesn't work without that stadium. You bring that stadium in, you finish the job, you put those people in the stands from March 2025, everybody's going to come forward, and it doesn't matter, you know, who the mascot is. You know, that, that thing is the symbol of this club right now. So um, that, you know, as, as well as the more we progress towards that, that's going to be the, the true identity of this entire thing, that stadium. Because then, you know, the other thing, too, it's the first soccer-specific stadium, really, in the, you know, 95 corridor outside of Philadelphia. So, you know, or, or in the Northeast corridor between here, Boston, New York. It's going to be the first soccer-specific stadium. This is the first one. We finally get one. It's going to be in Little Old Rhode Island. I know. Unbelievable. I think that's great. I mean, you know, look, the, the, the idea – the idea is to uh, make this happen, to get a stadium to call a home of their own. And you know what? If it wasn't for the mysterious millionaire in New York City, my goodness, they'd be stuck in the uh, the university's field. You know, I, I don't know how much that would be. To, I, I, there's a lot of people. Again, there's, I think there was a lot of safety valves put in place just in case this thing was starting to hit towards the, you know, but again, the state's so directly involved with this, and and you know the team, and it's just it, yeah. And there's too many people involved at, at a high level that they can they just won't allow this thing to fail at this point. Um, you know, it was forced through on the people. Now they got to finish the job because there's a history of failed projects here in Rhode Island, um, and you don't and and this governor doesn't want to be part of you know what, what could be what would you know, and I don't think it will be but a, a catastrophic uh, business failure. You know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, studio, uh, with a gaming company called 38 Studios, but that was run by Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling got a lot uh, of money, millions no, I'm of dollars. <laughs> no, that's fantastic to hear, but no, I, I've, I've not heard of it. So, Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty much Kurt Schilling – you know, took hundreds of millions of dollars from the state to develop this video game that never got produced for the public. Um, so oh, wow. it was, yeah, it, it's it's worth looking into 38 Studios. They'll make a Netflix documentary about it one day. Yep, they probably will. Uh, I guess final thought for me is this. Uh, what, are you, what are you expecting from Kano Smith when uh, he's going to take charge of his first match in USL Championship next year? And... It could be on CBS. Yeah, so I'll take the CBS part of it first. I think this is great. I think, you know, what was really cool to me this past weekend, and I really didn't notice it until, you know, like th- this week, CBS is a monster when it comes to soccer in this country. And I think people need to acknowledge, you know, we're past the days of ESPN and Fox Sports. Um, I think NBC with the Premier League might be the leader. But CBS is a very close second right now. They've got the contracts for USA uh, to some degree. I don't know. They've got some tournaments. I don't know how it breaks out. But they do have the national team on CBS. 
you got the Europa League, you've got the Champions League, you got the NWSL, which was on CBS National the other day. Um, and now USL is part of that family. And I think that is critical to grow this league. I think if you really want to continue to be a success and, you know, really push, you know, what is to many, I think, second division soccer in the country, um, I think you, you need to have a supportive platform like CBS to say, hey, you know, it might not be MLS and you might not have the same type of names that you get here, but here's a product that we still support and we're throwing our weight behind and, you know, we want to make available to soccer fans and we're support. So I think that's so great for the health of a league that needs some type of outlet like that. So that's first. Uh, second, Kano, I think he's going to be great. I think his mentality is good. I think he's going to be a player-friendly coach. You know, he played under Steve Nichol and Paul Mariner. Rest in peace, the great Paul Mariner. Um, two guys that I think really showed you their success when they led the New England Revolution to, you know, a lot of great seasons, just never could get the job done in MLS Cup Final. He's a brilliant mind for the game and he has a passion for a game. He understands how to develop players. He is the guy that should be leading this team. He's going to be, he's going to be great. Uh, full, I think everybody should have full confidence in Kano right now. And, um, yeah, I think you're, you're really going to be – I think Rhode Island FC has the potential really to come flying out of the gate here. They're really working hard at it. I think everybody will be excited and really intrigued uh, come March 2024 when we kick off from Smithfield, Sleepy Smithfield at Bryant University. Absolutely. Tommy, listen, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Hope to talk to you again soon. you got an open invite to come back on anytime you want and talk about Rhode Island FC and all, everything in New England about the game. Uh, thank you once again, and have a good night. You have a great night as well. All right, that's Tommy Quinlan from 790 The Score in Providence, Rhode Island, talking about Rhode Island FC. Um, some quick news, of course. First, New York Rebels news. The New York Rebels have parted ways with sporting director Dennis Hamlet, and they have also decided not to renew or re-sign Troy Lassane as head coach of the club. So they are going in a brand new direction and they are going to now hit the phones, get into the grind and try and find the new successor after the Struber Lassane era has come to an end. It also meant Zach Prince, uh, who was his assistant coach for Troy Lassane for this short period of time has also been let go. So, I just want to say to Troy Lestain, thank you so much for the hard work you put in this year when you were elevated as head coach for the rest of the season. Uh, it will be tough not to see you back in the technical area at Red Bull Arena, but still, though, uh, thank you for what you've done, and good luck on your future endeavors in MLS or anywhere in American soccer. I think you will get a job coaching somewhere in this league. We'll see what happens then. Finally... This weekend, or shall I say it's – I think it's going to be next weekend. No, it's going to be this weekend. I apologize. On Saturday, November the 18th and Sunday, November the 19th, the final round of U.S. Open Cup qualifying 
And here we go. These are the matchups for all of us. Get ready. Uh, this is basically in particular order for Saturday and Sunday. And here you go. UDA Soccer will be hosting Azteca FC. Valhalla FC will be hosting Chicago House AC. Nova, that's Northern Virginia FC, will be taking on Christos FC. FC America, CFL Spurs, Central Florida Spurs, will be taking on Leg AZ World FC. Foro SC taking on Alamo City Soccer Club. Tennessee Tempo taking on South Carolina United Heat. The New York Pancipian Freedoms will be taking on Brockton United uh, for that one. Verengung Erzgeberge will be hosting New Jersey Alliance. Miami United FC will be hosting City Soccer FC. FC Folsom hosting Inter San Francisco. And finally, Irvine Zeta FC hosting Temecula FC. The winners will advance to the first round draw of the 2024 U.S. Open Cup, joining AS Frenzy and Mesoamerica FC. And then we'll see who else will join them along with those clubs representing MPSL and which clubs will represent USL League Two. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. I personally cannot wait, and we'll see what's going to happen down the road. Join me tomorrow night. Wednesday, November the 15th, as we get ready for Game 3 in the first round to review it of the MLS Cup playoffs. And then on Thursday night, late night, it will be the USA versus Trinidad Tobago CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal first leg postgame show. I'll be joined by Fabian Renkel of Area Sportsnet and Forbes as well. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. I want to thank my guests tonight, Michael Hitchcock, and from 790 The Score, Tommy Quinlan. Thank you for joining me tonight, and as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long, and have a good night. Bye-bye for now, everybody. Take care.